0: Hi, it's Mark Aflalo on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield and myself. Thank you so much for taking a listen to this podcast. Do us a little favor if you would. If you love the show, give us a five-star review, and don't forget to follow us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. We appreciate it, and we love doing the show for you guys. Without further ado, here's today's episode.
1: For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com.
0: We are back on your Tech
1: Report. Thank you guys
0: so much for being along for the ride. If you want to follow along, of course, on all our social media, and this is a particularly uh, a good opportunity for you to do that because we have lots of stuff we're going to be posting about this upcoming interview. Uh, do follow us. It is at Your Tech Report. I am Mark Flalo in Montreal, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles.
1: I, I appreciate it. you always give me a good intro. It makes me feel very important, and very special. So thank you. I did not want to leave that out. Your wife told you me could...
0: that you need you need you need you know some kind of ego boosting every time. I So bring it was you, on.
1: Your, you know what? Let's. I, I'm sorry. I said thank you. So anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, so, Mark. Uh, obviously, we're excited about this next interview, but let's—you know—it's a given with a with a name of a show like your Tech Report. It's a given that we love technology; it's kind of baked into what we do. Right? I hope people realize that. I hope people realize this after all these years. And um, you know, this is one of the companies that we've talked to and worked with over the years. And what I love about the—and I'm going to let you do the intro after I finish my little spiel here. But what what I love about this particular company and companies like iRobot in General is. They listen to their consumer base. Not only do they make great products, not only do they iterate and innovate, both. Uh, in their product line, new products, existing products, but they listen to their user base, features that are important, things that people want, things that are useful, that help every day. And I think that's going to be kind of baked in to part of what we're going to be talking about during this interview.
0: You took you took the thunder out of my, uh, my introduction here, but that's okay. I'll, I'll let you go that's with okay. it. That's okay. You'll live. You'll be uh, fine. Mitchell, joining us once again, because they have been on the show before, is Brent Hild, Director of Product Management at iRobot. Brent, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week. Happy to have you along for the ride. Happy to be here. And Michelle Gattuso is the product management VP of port. I'm going to long titles. I love this. Okay, product management VP of portfolio and software experiences at iRobot. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys so Thank much you. for being here. Now I have to start with you, Michelle, because with a title like that, obviously you're extremely important. <laughs> 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 not only that, but people who are not, you know, watching, like we're watching on Zoom now, they don't realize there's had a big whiteboard with all this confidential secret information um, about all the upcoming products they're going to be doing. And she had to hide it from us, Mitchell. So
1: I should have screen capped we could have been like, you, you didn't, know, I did leveraging not think some out.
0: Of time.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure not all of our trade uh, secrets are on a Oh, just that
0: board, but... just one whiteboard and one color. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, the, the, the preface for this is because you've just released a new product, the J7 Plus, um, completely. Complete With a new software iteration, Genius 3.0. Um, before we dive into the product-specific stuff, can one of you give me the background, or give our audience who are just meeting you for the first time, because this is you know speed dating, um, uh, what you guys do at iRobot, where everything started, and how we kind of fast forward to where we are today? Sure, I can give you kind of a
3: high-level overview. I mean, uh, you know, iRobot was originally founded back in uh, I believe it was 1990 by uh, a handful of MIT roboticists, really the vision was making practical robots a reality. And in the in the first, I guess, 10 years or so, we really kind of focused on a couple specific areas like space, defense, and industrial. Um, but it wasn't until 2002 where we really entered kind of the, the consumer space with the product that everyone knows and loves, and that is the Roomba. And, uh, you know, 2002 was the first time we introduced what we consider the, uh, I guess, people consider the, the random bounce robots. So basically you get a kind of, Uh, deterministically navigates throughout your home. But then in 2015, we introduced our our first uh, systematically cleaning robot. So basically, this was a robot that would clean in ranks just like you would clean your home. And we've continued to launch new innovations, new products um, since then, uh, up until the Roomba J7, which just came out uh, last month, which is our kind of creme de la creme of of intelligent and uh, smart robotic vacuum cleaners.
1: And you know what? I, I, don't worry, Mark. I'm going to jump in right here. Don't you worry. I'm here I'm for you. I'm here. You. I know you're pointing at me with a delayed point. That's totally okay. We're <laughs> not going to fight in front of our friends. You're embarrassing me in front of our new friends. Uh, and Michelle, <laughs> I want to talk to you about this, about, you know, following up on what Brent said, because, and Mark and I have talked about this ad nauseum on the show, about making great products, which you guys obviously do, is is part one. But you can have the most wonderful, we just talked about this on an interview the other day, you can have the most amazing, technically advanced product that does amazing things, but without the software behind it, without the software to drive it, and something you can update frequently to take advantage of new features without even adding to the hardware, then there's nothing. And you guys have been on the cutting edge of software just as much as you have on the hardware side, correct?
2: We're definitely transitioning um, to do both. It's it's the combination of hardware and software together. Um, But to answer your question directly, yes, we are becoming more consumer-focused before people who... Uh, Purchase robots in the beginning where tech enthusiasts really enjoyed this, and they're becoming more mainstream. And so we are really looking forward to what are people wanting to do with them? How do they use them? A lot of people are still kind of intimidated by them or they think they're like every other vacuum and they're a little bit different. So we're just walking them through the path and their journey a little bit faster.
1: And I'd imagine there that you know you guys work together because when there are problems to be solved, when there are new features to be added, when there's feedback from a customer base, the the software and the hardware team must come together and say, okay, is this something that we can address through software? Must we address this through hardware? Do we wait for the next generation? So those you guys have to work together in order to iterate and, then, of course, to innovate with new products as well.
3: Yeah, we absolutely, absolutely. we have to to work together. I think one of the coolest things that we do though is because. Uh, you know, we can't always predict the future in terms of what amazing digital features Michelle's group will come up with. From, so from a hardware side, we actually kind of built in some overhead to our robots. So that way, you know, the robot you buy on day one will look very different two years, two years from then, because there'll be constant updates, these genius updates that Michelle's group is making and, and pushing to the robots to really just increase its intelligence, make sure it's always learning and has really kind of
0: you know quality of life features that our, our customers demand.
2: They're getting more intelligent over time. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Roomba has a has a, a, a almost a cult following. I feel like, you know, someone told me about it. It wasn't necessarily that I, through, through you know, my connections in media that I learned about Roomba for the first time. And then once I experienced it, I started talking and raving about it to other people. And it kind of went on like that. And that's how the word of mouth really, really projected. Um, is, that, is that a fair assessment that it's got this cult following? Because obviously you market, et cetera, et cetera. And you're trying to get the product out there. But I feel like people who have and who have experienced Roomba are extremely passionate about it.
3: Uh, I definitely think so. It has a, it has a bit of a cult following, especially like early days. Um, it, a lot of word of mouth, I think, helps sell and, and convince other people that, that the robot vacuum cleaner could actually replace their traditional upright vacuum cleaner. But, of course, we see it in all the fun things, you know, whether they're memes on the Internet or even just looking at the names that people come up with the robots. Right. It's it's never just I mean, sure, there are a few people that just call it Roomba, but people get awfully creative with what they call it, because to them, it's no longer just a robot. It's, it's something that's actually part of the family.
1: I was going to say that it takes. I don't want to say pet because they're not pets, of course. They're they're functional pieces of our lives, but there is that sort of feeling of oh, it's a part of the family. Now, do you do you guys remember? and I guess I can ask Michelle this because I don't want I don't want do you guys to be. I'll jump in. I'll jump in. So Michelle, for you, was there a moment because there are certain products and certain technologies people go, oh, that's cute. That's a great you know, idea of co- a concept that we think could work in the future. Oh, what a cool idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. But was there a moment when the Roomba trans- transitioned from, oh, what a cute idea, that's really cute, that you know, the va- vacuums while you're not home, to, oh my God, it's a vacuum that vacuums when you're not at home, where people realize where they got it, and then people were all in. Do you remember that transitional moment where people were like, okay, this isn't just something that's cute, this is something I have to have? Yeah,
2: I think we were definitely on that path. Um, but COVID definitely um, accelerated that for us. People spending more time in their homes, they didn't have the same luxury of cleaning services and they realized their homes need to be cleaned more often and they didn't simply have the time to do it. So I think the combination of people being at home more often and wanting more freedom to do other things has really accelerated our growth with consumers. So it's, as Brent was alluding to, it's it's been pretty exciting just seeing the transition where people do call them Roombas and the the brand is recognized for that and you know hopefully we're we're standing up to that and continuing to drive that innovation as we we go forward.
0: Now you guys have a great lineup of different robot vacuums but the J7 Plus is your is your newest baby, your newest child. Tell us what sets J7 Plus apart from your other children.
3: Um so you know from my perspective I've worked on this program for for a couple of years so the it's really um, an incredibly advanced robotic vacuum cleaner. You know, of course, it, it it cleans your home exceptionally well, whether you have hard floors, carpets, rugs, any sort of surface as far as that's concerned. But I think what really makes it uh, just so amazing is the intelligence we have. Now, for the first time, we've taken the camera that's traditionally been on top of the robot to, that's used to navigate. We've taken it and put it in the front. And by doing that, now we can see kind of things directly in front of the robot. So now that we can see these things in front of the robot, obstacles like shoes, socks, cords, things like that, now we can develop these very sophisticated machine learning algorithms so we can actually recognize obstacles in front of the robot and then just simply avoid it and, and not get tangled up in a cord, for example. And I think that's one of the really exciting features of the Roomba J7 uh, and J7 Plus have to offer.
2: And I'll I'll extend it for real quickly on the genius, on the genius front. So um, Mark, like you, I prefer to think of all of our robots as my baby, and so we're <laughs> continuing to improve them um, with Genius 3 by offering, uh, you know, again, uh, consumer-asked feature. So, uh, you can uh, control the robot with your voice, and now we make it conversational with two-way announcements. Um, we do clean when I leave, so based on when you leave your home, the robot will start cleaning, and when you get back, it will stop cleaning. Um, and then, you know, like a health dashboard to let you know when it's time to change accessories. But that's available for all of ours, including the J7. Well,
1: oh, that's awesome. And one of the one of the things and just to take it for sort of big picture with the company, one of the things we like to talk about with our audience is, you know, there's some people that say mm, eh, that's not for me. So we like to remove barriers to entry, especially for products and companies that we love. So. Here I am. I'm sitting in my house. I'm looking around, and I think, oh, you know what? I have a lot of floor that has to be cleaned. But you know what? It's there's a step down over here. There's a step up over here. I I can't. The robot's going to fall down. It's going to fall down. So talk about terrain recognition a little bit. I know we've discussed this before, but for people that don't realize how smart these robots are, including the J7 Plus, uh, recognizing a step, recognizing a stair, knowing where it should and shouldn't go, not just with furniture but with terrain dips and crevices. The robots can recognize this, right? People don't have to worry about they can limit them to certain spaces, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean like uh not just Roomba J7, actually our entire Roomba lineup, uh, we have the ability to kind of recognize what we call uh <laughs> pits or something where the where the robot could potentially fall down. So we actually have sensors uh scattered all the all the way around the robot in, in kind of all directions so that way as we approach a, a drop-off like uh like a stair step down something like that uh we just we recognize that there's nothing in front of it. There's no space in front of it. And so it just backs up and keeps on cleaning. So this is something that's automatic and exists in all of our products.
0: But the new feature on, on that we've just announced is one that really go. excites me. I can't believe Mitchell, I never told you this story, but um, you know, okay,
1: here we people go What's with happening? small animals. Yeah.
0: <laughs> some of which may or may not be domesticated to go outside. For example, mm-hmm. mine because we have you know, moments.
1: Or have senior moments. moments. Yes, senior or have moments senior happen, moments. You know,
0: yeah. um, but not only limited to animals, because there are uh, oftentimes that there are many obstacles that fall on the ground. Charging cables, uh, you know, w- wall adapters. Who knows what it is that might be important. Um, yeah, earbuds, that's right. Yeah, Exactly, right. earbuds, AirPods. I mean, how much money do I we spend on these these small devices that we definitely don't want to suddenly disappear? These are, are suddenly now... Detectable, or you know, can be trained to be detected by by these robots. Explain to us where these features came from, like especially the the, the poop feature, which we'll talk about, but where, where that feature came from.
3: So, where it comes from with the J seven pluses. Uh, so, what we've done is we've actually created these machine learning algorithms, and and the way you create algorithms, just at a, at a high level, is. We take millions of pictures of different things because you can imagine, uh, you know, like for cords, for example, how many different permutations or possibility, uh, possible combinations of cords. There's long cords, short cords, different colors, different shapes, sizes. So we take literally millions of images of all these different obstacles, and then we factor it into these algorithms so we can identify, recognize, and then avoid. Uh, of course, it gets really interesting with the, you know, the pet waste. This is. <laughs> Pet waste is something that, that's been a unique challenge for, for Roomba and for iRobot. I mean, I, I, while it's not mandatory, I think virtually every iRobot employee has a pet. And so a lot of us know <laughs> from firsthand experience how awful <laughs> it is to have Roomba run over pet waste. Um, and uh, you know, for the longest time, we, we just really had no solution for that until we developed what we call precision vision navigation for the Roomba J7 Plus. Now we can see pet waste and we can leave it alone.
0: Now, this feature, I mean, and training any kind of machine learning like this requires a lot of, I guess, you know, samples, right? Uh, So to speak, whether it be photos of different products. How long did a a feature like that, like when when was that first thought of versus, you know, coming to market? How long was that process?
3: Um, A lot of it had to do with actually just getting the hardware right and get everything set up. Because it's not just like a a photo of a cord. It has to be a photo of a cord from the robot's (laughs) perspective. set down down at that level. And so once we had the hardware, it was, you know, months and years of just taking a lot of pictures of obstacles in all sorts of homes and, and not just homes in North America, but also in EMEA and also in Japan and China and APAC, right? We really need to get data um, from all sorts of environments of all sorts of obstacles, really to, to create the most robust algorithms. So we can make sure we can avoid things with confidence. That' why, that, that, that's why, the pet waste thing is is so important you know we know that pet waste is a big deal we really spent a lot of time making sure our robot could see and identify solid pet waste um so much so that we offer what we call the the poop promise or the pet owner official promise where i was just going there and- j7 <laughs> happens unfortunately happens <clears throat> to cross over pet waste will replace
0: the robot for free
1: yeah, that's that's a big deal, and that, that M- Mark, I know you're wishing this came sooner. <laughs> Just about
0: it's- two or three years.
1: Not, you know, not that it's ever happened to you. I'm just saying, but it's not, but you know what? It's really, I mean, we can joke about it, but this is a real thing. Pet owners, you know, anyone with kids, with pets, this is a real thing. And the fact that you stand behind, not just the product, but the software that drives the product to both of you, that, that sort of speaks to how you guys care, not just about your products in general and how confident you are in them, but how you care about your consumer base and your customers. And you know what they go through on a daily basis. And that's kind of a big deal to customers, I think.
2: A lot of that also is, is beyond actually just the poop. So Brent's alluding to that one in particular, but learning for all of the obstacles that are in front of the robots and how do we handle it? Um, sometimes you may wanna go around it and sometimes you may wanna go towards it. And so the learning behaviors behind that is something that Brent alluded to, we're doing in multiple people's homes, we're um, doing internally with our own staff and dog fooders we call them, but we also do them externally um, with beta users and just getting that confidence behind our algorithms is really the differentiator for us. Yes, you cannot recognize them, but how often and how often are you doing it correctly so that users aren't experiencing these problems in their homes is really the the differentiation behind this feature. So getting that right is really important. And we're also crowdsourcing that. So as part of user in the loop in the software, um, when users in their own homes now experience obstacles, they can actually opt in um, to share those obstacles images with us to help train our algorithms even better. So not only is it improving the robot in their own homes, but everyone else that also owns a J7 uh, throughout the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to think about it. If you're actually manually pushing a vacuum, you know, you have the brain in your head. You see something on the floor. You go around it. And if there's something there and you can't pick it up, you need to get to the other side. How do you do that? Training a machine to do that is way more complicated than just obviously the common sense to just go around it. So a lot of, I mean, a lot of time goes into that and a lot of training goes into that. Now... You know, I had a you know the the, the luxury of having a briefing a couple days ago about not only um, this product but of course Genius three Tell us about what your testing is on site because you have a a whole home set up in your offices, don't you?
3: Yeah, so we we have a obviously to really test a product thoroughly, we have a, a number of different things that we do. So first of all, we have you know we have like bench top testing, which, as the name implies, is kind of small, constrained, you know, to test specific. Type of features or scenarios. But beyond that, um, what we've done is we've actually built like a 4,400 square foot home inside our headquarters outside of Austin. And we just run robots in there um, constantly, 24-7, seven days a week, um, because we need to understand how our robots actually perform in real environments, because that's what's important. People don't have bench tops in their home, they have houses Their houses have stuff in it. We have to make sure our robots can navigate that and, uh, you know, make it at the end of the day, go out clean where it's supposed to and then make it back to the dock successfully without the user having to play a game of Marco Polo. Where's my robot?
0: I'm curious about something because um, a lot of the components on these devices are familiar components. There are camera modules, there's um, various types of sensors and and, and processing power. And when you think about that and you think about just the landscape of technology over the past, let's say, 20 years, you know, our phones now have stronger cameras and stronger chips and, and all these things have evolved. Do you think that your company and these products would be where they are today if it wasn't for you know like the smartphone market that's gone crazy and driven down the price of all these modules or do you think that we might be a bit further behind has that helped Is that you know hindered I think we'd be further behind I
3: mean because we we leverage from a hardware perspective a lot of the same camera modules that uh, you see in smartphones we leverage a lot of the same processors the same memory and you know everything that happens you know we try to kind of uh, look at what the current trends are for hardware and kind of project out and then find a way to intercept and use that technology uh, in our products to make it the, you know, the, that perfect balance of, you know, not only cost, but also intelligence. So we can really deliver the feature set that our customers want.
2: On the software side of that one, I'm going to allude to that one a little bit more, too. Oh. On the, you know, so when we talk about not only the cell phone market, but also um, voice recognition. So with the Google or with an Alexa. Like that is just another input that people can interact with their devices. So as we see these converging, they're really becoming a convergence within the home. And we like to think of it as a smart home or intelligent home and how those play together. Um, I love the dog analogy. We use it a lot about dog can't speak back to you, but he knows what you're saying. And it's kind of the same thing with the robots. You speak to it. Now it can give you some words back. It goes where you pretty much want it to go. It still has a little bit mind of its own, but it's learning you over time in your home. Um, and your rules, and our, I think our robots do the same thing, but with with these additional voice inputs, uh, we're we're learning on that perspective with IoT within the home and how they all relate together. We're going to go really big in that area, and you're going to see a lot more advancements as we get there.
1: And the fact is, what you guys are doing is very smart, and I don't, of course, smart in terms of smart products. Look of what course, did I didn't there? Make a pun that. there? Look what I, I'm so clever um, because you know I, I think a lot of companies don't embrace this, but the fact is. We are used to interfacing at this point. We're used to interfacing with a mobile device. We're used to interfacing through... Uh, with our devices through speech and that's something that our you know started on smartphones went to tablets and went to the smart home so really what you're doing is allowing people to interface with their devices the same way that they have been trained to that we have been trained through technology over the last few years or last decade and embracing that because that's the way people are used to using their product so having it baked into your product into your ecosystem makes sense because customers will be ready to use it and know how to use it instantly
2: yeah, most people will have a phone in their hand, and they can do that. And they would rather push a button on the phone than bend down and hit on the robot. You can still do that if you want. But um, the, the, the flexibility and giving people's choice, if it's an immediate moment, you need to do that spontaneous clean, sure, push the button. But if you want to schedule, if you're away from home, if you just simply want to, um, again, control it when you leave, um, if you want to change the power of it, there's so many other options that you can do that doesn't Um, take the same thought power as if you were doing a physical button.
1: You know, I I just thought of something, and this is a completely selfish question or selfish thing to put out. You saw that (laughs) moment, and by the way, I know
2: it was like an aha moment.
1: I know, and I should have said said something to you guys before, because, you know, a lot of times Mark and I gesture, because we do this over Zoom, and so we can talk and not talk over each other, so I came up with this thing. Like, okay, and they're also I'm taking it to the next level, because for a lot of people, and we talk about PEPs, and we talk about the new guarantee, and how it, you know, handles pets in the home, a lot of Pets go crazy with a traditional vacuum. Okay, my dog. I've had her since she was nine weeks. There was never an incident. She was never abused by a vacuum. But somehow, when that her eyes light up and she must have the vacuum. Now, I'm wondering since I've never had a Roomba in my home. Don't feel bad for me. I'm no. I'm just putting it out there. Just I told you there'd be a shameless moment, and here it is. Uh, I'm wondering if people that have had issues with their pets with traditional vacuums may not have that same issue. I mean, it may be different because pets have to get used to this disc on the floor rolling around, but it may not trigger that same response that pulling the stand up, the upright or the canister vacuum out would trigger. Have you found that pets react differently to Roombas than they do to traditional vacuums?
3: Uh, Well, anecdotally, I can say probably yes, Uh, certainly because it's not as loud as a traditional upright vacuum cleaner. So that's a big part of it. But, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're, you're kind of tapped into internet culture. You've seen the number of cats riding on top of Roombas. So of uh, you're not going to see that with your conventional upright vacuum cleaner.
0: I just thought of a perfect feature, just some cat grips for the top of the Roomba. Maybe some, you know, like riding posts like we do on our bikes so that, you know, you can really equip it. them for, for that yeah. ride for the dog. I like that. I think that's a really good idea. You know, you you talked about all the smarts that are on board. Um, And and we talked about how you can control this with various smart home hubs, whether it be, you know, your Amazon Echoes, your Google Homes, maybe one day HomeKit. By the way, there is a workaround. I have that going. Um, But, um, you know, there's so much intelligence there. And I'm wondering if you see people leaning towards one versus the other in terms of using what you've built in on the apps versus the things that you can do with those integrations. Because as you said, you can program it and say, okay, when I'm not in the house, you know, you can use the geofence option when everybody's left the house, you can turn it on. But you can also use all of those features that are built in some of the smart home stuff as well, not only voice control, but proximity and location. Are are, you find people just, is it a nice, quite even keel across the board or are they using your app more than anything else?
2: We actually believe in choice and I think it really comes down to the individuals and how comfortable they are with the technology. Um, The other moment I mentioned is the spare in the moment. Um, Spontaneous cleans are really driven um, by voice. So if you're standing in the kitchen you just spilled something on the floor and you need them to come quickly vacuum up all the the flour that's typically done by voice. Um, Most people are still scheduling uh, and what's unique to iRobot is you can schedule um, multiple times per day, and you can schedule by by room or by zone. So, if you want to simply clean in front of the sofa and not the entire living room, we can do that as well. So, it's really about the individuals and how they clean. We still have those what we call them weekend warriors who like to clean the entire house on the weekend, and they're there and they're doing it, and they're watching their robots. And then you have the people who are literally cleaning every single day that have the pets and the shedding dogs. Um, that are just doing mainly the bedrooms and the kitchens where the dogs hang out. So it's really about choice. And that's what kind of makes us different with Genius is to make sure that all of that functionality is easily integrated into our app. So the the Alexa or Google commands you talked about are directly into our app. You don't have to go to their app. So it's it's really this fully integrated um, experience for consumers.
0: Guys, I know we're tight on time. I've got one more question for you. And that is, um, you know, there's so many different types of users out there. And uh, one of the users that we talk about a lot are people with disabilities. And there's oftentimes where I bring up this this topic and conversation and a lot of the companies or some of the companies aren't even necessarily aiming that direction. They're like, Oh my God, I didn't realize, of course, this is great for someone who's blind because they can't go pick up that mess. They don't know it's there and they can control it with their voice. So they don't have to worry about putting something away or bringing it out when needed. I'm curious if, you know, that conversation about obviously inclusion and disability comes up often, um, or if it's something that's just, you know, an added benefit of obviously what this is designed to do.
3: So I can speak to it from like from a hardware side hardware side we absolutely do consider that sort of thing we we really try to have very intuitive industrial design for our products so if you take a look at the j7 plus there's just a single button that's all you have to press to actually use it um but also like the clean base the clean base is you know what we're trying to do is we're trying to drive autonomy we're trying to drive it so the robot goes out cleans comes back and then you don't have to empty the bin in fact the clean base empties the bin of the robot for you so you don't have to worry about it for upwards of 60 days so there's certainly that component on the robot side it's just trying to make the industrial design as clean and as intuitive as possible um so anyone can use it whether it's you know a 20 year old computer programmer or my retired mother anyone can equally use it on the software side i know michelle has done some other things as well that she can speak to in more detail
2: yep primarily on uh, we were relying on voice and we we hear this a lot is it's just easier to command because then you don't even have to look at it. But again, giving choice back, uh, you mentioned the app and it is difficult for seeing impaired um, to look at it. Uh, we have a partnership right now with um, Perkins a- Access, which is a school for the blind. Um, and they are helping us um, prioritize and redesign our app a bit to make it more functional um, for them in their in their reading use cases uh, so that they know where the priority functions are, for example. So it's absolutely something that we're looking at, um, again, driving more towards this so that everybody can enjoy this wonderful technology.
0: Michelle Brent, um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I honestly feel like we're just scratching the surface because not only do you have the J series, you've got the I series, you've got the, the S series, you've got, I mean, coding robots, um, the mops. The, we could probably talk for hours about this, which just gives us another excuse to have you back on the show.
2: <laughs> We'd uh, love that. There's even some fun surprises
0: coming here for the holiday season. it. So I love it. We I love it. Okay, we We're going to get, That's yeah, awesome. we're gonna have to get that <laughs> taken care of. Uh, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You've
1: been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com Your Tech Report for the latest in breaking tech news and reviews. Yourtechreport.com.